Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. Uh, sorry for the late start. Um, okay, before I get to that, housekeeping news. VP, we um, obviously monitor how people are accessing the show, and uh, usually that's through SoundCloud, and then SoundCloud goes to iTunes. And we noticed recently that um, SoundCloud put in a new statistic for us, which let us see how many people were actually listening on SoundCloud itself versus other places that weren't SoundCloud. They didn't really have that before. And what we noticed was um, roughly half of you who are listening on replay, of course, are listening on something that something other than SoundCloud, which uses our RSS feed, which really surprised us because we never publicized that. We, we obviously put it out there because there's people that like podcasts on iTunes, but we didn't realize how many of you were actually using a method that we don't even talk about or promote or link to. Uh, about half of you are listening on iTunes or some other podcast fetcher, and we just didn't know about it. So um, kind of made the decision that we should be using that RSS feed in other ways. So um, what you're going to be able to do effective um, right now, actually, immediately, is you can listen. We, we had some requests for VP Live to be on Stitcher Radio and as of right now, uh, VP Live is indeed on Stitcher Radio. Uh, either you can use that link, which is in the replay notes. Obviously, you can download the app for your phone and use it there, um, or simply just go into the you know, go into the Stitcher Radio app. And if you search for VP Live, um, we should come right up. Um, I checked it out, and it works fine. Uh, you will find, however, that the show notes uh, do not come up with clickable links. I don't think they do with. Um, iTunes either. Um, so you lose that part of the functionality, but Hey, listen, there's people obviously using this on iTunes and other podcast features. So we might as well be more out there. So we're going to give this a shot. VP VP live is on Stitcher radio. If you like that, well, we're over there too now. Okay. So, uh, I was a little bit rushed in getting started tonight because just before the show started and I was like setting up my desk for the show, I snapped my mic stand in half. Now the it's it's a fairly large structure and it's almost all metal, save for the this this one part that hinges in the middle, which allows me to lower and and raise the the the, the main part of the mic stand to kind of get it out of my way so I can do other things or, or get up out of my desk. And and I managed to snap that right in half. And just as I did that, I also as I'm sitting there, you know, and this is right, right before the show, I'm sitting there with a, with a broken mic stand. So I'm like, shit. And then just as that happens and I'm looking at it, figuring out what I'm going to do, the light bulb that is right above my desk, which would allow me to see my equipment and notes and everything else also burns out. So I'm just like, okay. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I throw on my shoes. I go to Dwayne Reed. I find the crazy glue and I get a light bulb. And then I came back here, and now I have, <laughs> at any point tonight, this thing might fall apart, which will create a horrible, horrible boom. And um, I'm just looking at this thing. I put some duct tape on it too, but that's not gonna, that's not gonna stop anything. It looks like a science experiment. But, but anyway, it, is together now for now. I'm just makes me very scared. Anyway, so that's that's what we got going. <laughs> like, and you know, and so what happened was 
Figured as long as I was a Dwayne Reed, I was out of beer. So that was the one good thing that came of us. After, for after hours, I got a six-pack in the fridge. And then, you know, I just went to buy a light bulb to replace the one that went out. And, of course, the crazy glue in the beer. So I had to put the beer in the fridge. So I opened the refrigerator, and I put the beer in it. And it occurred to me, you know, when you open the refrigerator, a light comes on. It presumably goes off when you close the door, but I, I, I don't know if that can be proven or not, you know. Then again, I've never seen an electron either. But pres presumably it goes off, so, you know, it's not on a lot. But then I, I started thinking, you know, as I'm, as I'm changing this light bulb above my desk, I'm 38 years old. I have never in my life changed the light bulb on a refrigerator. This refrigerator that I have, the one I had in the last apartment I lived in, the one I had in the last apartment I lived in, the ones I had in college, including the little ones. I never remember my parents changing the light bulb in those refrigerators. So I, I, I just, how could it be that I've lived for 38 years so, so figure for when I would be aware of light bulbs, I don't know. So for, for over for 30 years about, I have never changed a light bulb in a refrigerator nor seen anyone else do it. I understand that they're not on for very long, but still we're talking about over 30 years. How can that be? I think there's a fucking conspiracy going on here. How can refrigerator manufacturers find a light bulb that seems to never need to be changed. Yet I'm changing these fucking things. I don't know. It seems like once a month one of these fucking things is going out. I think it's a conspiracy. I think that I think there are light bulbs that can last for 30 years. And we're getting duped by these things. Hmm. Um changing topics just a bit i'd like to talk to you a little bit about crawfish because i've learned a lot about crawfish very recently now this this bar near me the parkside lounge they do a once a year they do a, a crawfish boil and i hadn't been to any of the other ones in the past because i was never interested in crawfish i went to this was many years ago i went to a uh in new england a, a, a lobster what do they call it? A lobster bake, I think they call it in New England. And that's where, I mean, what a process. It's They literally dig a huge hole in the ground. I'm talking about, talking about you, can, you can get a few bodies in there for sure. But they dig a huge hole in the ground. And then they put rocks and wood and wood chips. And they make a huge fire, right? So they get it real, real hot. And then they take, I mean, these, this, these people, these were hardcore, hardcore New Englanders. And they, they take, they make these, uh, I don't even know what to call it, these, these grates where they make them out of chicken wire, right? And then they, they put clams in there. But, but what they do with the clams, they get these clams and uh, what do you call the clams with the fucking ugly tail on the end? They're nasty looking, but they're delicious scooters or shoot something this is a fucking nasty looking clam um anyway they they take those they have refrigerators dedicated only to these clams or you know those um those sections on the bottom 
of of your refrigerator where you put the lettuce and onions and then you forget about them and then they're fucking I, I we always call them the rotter in, in college because you put shit in there and you forget it's there and um, it's, you know they rot. but what they do is they put a ton of cornmeal in these bottom shelves and then they they throw tons of uh, these clams in there and then they got other containers throughout the refrigerator they're literally two refrigerators filled with these compartments for cornmeal and then they put the clams in there and the reason for that i was told was that you, you don't really know what the clams were eating before you get them but if you feed them if you put them in these things and they're still alive obviously they just eat cornmeal for like a day or two and it kind of like cleans out their system and it makes the clams taste much better um I don't know if that all well, that's true. It seems to make intuitive sense, but they definitely were the best tasting clams. So, so anyway, they take these clams and they put them down on the chicken wire, and then they put another layer of chicken wire, and it's like held together with like some big metal rods and stuff on, on top of it. And then they put like a layer of lobsters, and they're all fucking alive. It's crazy. And then they put a layer of uh, of the clam things on top of it. Then I think they put something else on top on top of it. Anyway. So, um, I like clams. They're all right. I'm a huge fan of lobster and crab. They might, I don't think, I don't remember any crab from this, but it was, it was I mean, the, the main attraction is obviously the lobster, right? But they were also doing at this, they were also doing a crawfish boil, nowhere near the, the, the setup of the, the lobster and the, the, the clam, but they did have a, a, a thing of, of, of crawfish. So I said, I'll, I'll try it, you know, and I, and I didn't know what I was doing with the thing. They look like little, not so little. They they, they look like cockroaches. It's, it's a it's like a, a cross between a cockroach and a lobster. They're they're nasty looking little things, right? So I'm, I'll try anything. I love seafood. So I tried one at the time, and it was impossible to get the thing apart. And once I did get it apart, um, you know, I, I got at the tail, and it was basically so I eat the tail. It was okay, you know. I'd rather lobster or, or crab any day. So I had one and that was it. And for, you know, several years went by where I, that was my only crawfish experience. But then this crawfish boils coming up and it's like a whole thing. It's like a whole party at the, it's like a whole Cajun, the, 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 the guy owns the bar. He's from new Orleans. So they have a whole new Orleans party. They got new Orleans Cajun music, which I love. And uh, it's like a whole feast. It's a whole thing. And I'd never been to one just because I didn't, I didn't feel like, you know, they, they charge a few bucks for it. So I didn't really feel like paying for food that I wasn't going to eat. I, I didn't. So, but then someone got a hold of me and asked me if I was going. I said, nah, I'm not really a crawfish fan. He's like, what, you don't, you don't like seafood? I said, no, I love seafood. He's like, listen, whatever you had last time, it, was, it wasn't the right way. You got to come. You got to, and it's, and it's a blast. Trust me, you'll love it. So I say, all right, now. Even though it wasn't a lot of money, like 40 bucks, still, if I'm going to spend $40, and, you know, there was other food there too, but, you know, rice and beans and corn on the cob and, you know, shit that I'm not spending $40 on. But if I'm going to be spending $40 on seafood, I better make sure that I like it and that I know what I'm doing. So I actually went on the internet and I started researching crawfish and I found that not only was I doing it wrong, 
you know, the first time, you know, just trying to get the thing apart and just eat the tail. I found out that, well, there's much more to the animal. And now I can tell you that, listen, nothing beats lobster. But that aside, it's probably my favorite seafood. Well, shellfish. Well, of the shellfishes, it's probably my second favorite to the lobster. I don't know. It's probably pretty close with, with crab. But here's why. And I had to go through a lot of YouTube videos to find out how to really eat these things. And honestly, I'm, I'm probably one of the few people who really knows how to eat these properly. Because I had to go, I did, did a lot of research. Because what they say on all the, you know, the, the they got tons of YouTube videos, fucking hillbillies in the South. Of me. And I thought that's that's what I want. I want, I want some hillbilly with a, with a, his friend with a, with a camera phone taking a video of him eating a crawfish. And that's how I'm going to learn. Because who, who else would know better, right? All these crawfish, they come from Louisiana and Texas. So I want to learn from a hillbilly. I want to learn from a redneck in this case. And they all are saying the same thing, basically. Like the, 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 the information on how to separate the tail and the best way to get the tail meat out of the tail uh, was good. But then they always just said, you know, then you suck the head. So you, you well, well, either first or second. But usually they're like, you, you crack it open, get the thing, you eat the tail, and then you suck out the head. And, you know, I'll try anything once, but, you know, it begs the question, why would I want to do that? What is in the head that I want to be, what, what is it that I'm sucking out? Am I sucking out organs? Am I, what is it? So I did some research on that. And here is what I have found. Now you, you guys are, you guys are going to be just about the most educated people on crawfish out because all these hillbillies out, I, I don't think they know this and they're missing out. Now, they are right to suck the head of a crawfish because what you're doing is, what the reason why you want to do that, there's actually two reasons. Number one, there is um, quite a bit of space in the head and in the cooking process, um, which is boiling, a lot of the, uh, whatever the seasonings are of the, I don't know, the boil, the water, or whatever you're cooking them, a lot of those seasonings get trapped inside the head. So when you suck out the head, you're, you're sucking out some of those seasonings. But in addition to that, there is something very, very important in that head that only after a significant amount of research, I was able to find out what it is. I don't know how to pronounce it properly. Um, it's There is an organ in the head of the crawfish called the heptatopancreas. Um, what it is, basically it's, it's an organ that accomplishes the same function as for, for a human as the liver and the pancreas, but they got it together in one organ. Okay. So that heptatopancreas is what makes sucking the head so delicious. Um, it looks nasty. It looks like a, a yellowish green, just slimy thing. It looks pretty nasty. Now, you won't see it if you're just sucking the head. What's going to happen when you suck the head is that you're just going to get a mixture of that pancreas thing with the juices that are collected and the, and the seasonings that are collected in the head. And indeed, if you do suck the head of a crawfish, it is, it's delicious. As a matter of fact, it, 
I think it's better than the tail. It's you know, there's no substance to it really, not ver or very little, but it's delicious. So then I went, I said, you know, this seems like such a crude method, right? I'm, you know, sucking the, like the, the, the organs in there somewhere. Why don't I, you know, how do you get into the head to actually extract the organ and simply eat the organ? Right? So I keep on looking for YouTube and you know, all the hillbilly redneck videos that nobody, they, they just suck the head. So then I, I saw a video. I almost, you know, passed it by this little Asian girl. Couldn't have been more than 22 or 23 with nice fingernail, like it, very pretty. And I started to play the video. I almost shot because it was, she was really ditzy, right? But she had a video and it was, and it was like properly produced and everything. It was actually a nice video. So I'm like, all right, I'll watch a pretty girl do anything. So I'm going to watch a pretty girl eat a crawfish. Let's see how she eats a crawfish. So her method for the tail you know, separation and, and, and meat extraction was basically the same as everyone else's. But then she started talking about the head and about what most people who even call it anything just call the fat, which is the pancreas thing. So what she does is she actually, she found that if you hold the bottom of the head and then you take the top of the head and you just crack it, it's, it almost like it opens magically like a little, like a lever or like a door. You know, and she explains where it is. And and basically what you can do is there there's two parts that it collects in one. It actually collects right on the, the tippy top of the head, which is now upside down once you crack it open, which you can scoop with your finger. So now you're getting a nice shot of that. Boom. Right there on your, on your tongue. It's delicious. It's it tastes like um, it does taste fatty. For sure, that's why people just call it fat. But it's it's like I said, it's a, it's an organ. It's not it's not fat. It tastes like a it tastes like a deep, rich butter with. Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on how you cook it, but uh, it's just a. It, you know, it's so hard to explain because I've never tasted any kind of food or animal or shellfish. No, there's nothing else on the planet that has this flavor. It is truly unique to the to the crawfish. So some of it gets up there and then some of the rest of it collects down near the base of it so what she showed is once you once you crack that open okay you scoop the top of the head and you just pop your finger on your mouth and get a nice little shot of that but then what you could do is on the other half you got basically the lungs and there's some other organs in there and stuff and she shows that you can just basically you put the whole thing in your mouth and you suck on the lungs and the lungs don't come off but everything comes right through and the nice thing is it's it's fucking genius because it there are like things like fucking i, I don't know there's the, depending on the male and the female there's there's other shit in there if you do it right that you don't get that shit in your mouth you just get the 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 fat or the the pancreas you just get that and some of the the seasonings in the liquid that it, that'll come right through the lungs the lungs of the crawfish and inter, and it's delicious and, and i but now I did, what I did was after I saw this video, I said, okay, I'm going to try this. And I went to a local restaurant before this boil, and I just got a little bit of crawfish just to see if I would like it. And lo and behold, her method was right. It was great. It was, and I'm enjoying this wonderful delicacy, culinary delicacy that I don't think many people know about, or at least know about how the right way to get it. Because I tried just to suck the head. 
of the crawfish. And it's good, but it's nowhere near if you, if you crack the thing open and you fucking do the lung extraction method and the fucking scoop the top of the head, pop on the tongue thing. So this Asian woman is just genius. Um, she taught me the right way to enjoy crawfish. And as soon as I did that, and I, I just had a few crawfish, I'm like, all right, I am ready for this crawfish boil. So what they got, they got, like I said, the guy, you know, he knows what he's doing. He's from, he's from New Orleans. So that, you know, he gets, he gets everything shipped fresh on ice all the way up there. Obviously I go there starving. You know, it started, started at two o'clock. I ate like a little something for breakfast on a Saturday. So I ate a little something for breakfast and I need anything. And then it didn't start on time, which was good. Uh, the first batch of crawfish probably wasn't ready till like two thirty, two forty-five. So as soon as it's, so they get it out. What they do is it's fucking phenomenal. They, they, uh, they take the pool table in the bar and they cover it with wood and then plastic and then like a million newspapers. And then when the, uh, when the crawfish are ready and the, basically they, they boil the crawfish with the, with the seasonings and everything. And the, they throw in potatoes and, um, and corn on the cob. And then, uh, after that's done, they put them in these big, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, big styrofoam containers after they take after they filter them out of the out of the water and they add more seasoning and then they just squeeze in like a like a hundred lemons and then throw the lemons in and um let them I guess kind of like steam up in there a little bit. Maybe about 20 minutes. And then when those are ready, they take those those styrofoam containers, which takes two grown men to to haul each one. Each one's gotta have about I don't know, I'd say at least 30, 40 pounds, probably 40 pounds of crawfish in it. And you dump them all over the, the covered pool table. And then this is, this is crazy. Apparently this is how it's done in the, in the South. I didn't do this because, well, I'm not a fucking rube. I don't eat standing up, but everyone stands around the pool table standing up and, uh, you know, like eats the crawfish while standing over a table, which I'm just like, I'm not doing that. I don't want to stand next to people and talk to, no, I'll sit down at the bar. Thank you. So I took a, you know, a little box and there were other people doing that too, but apparently that's how crawfish is eaten down south. But no, no, thanks. I'm not going to stand up and eat with strangers. So I load up. Oh, I'd say about three pounds. He had these, uh, these like paper, uh, cardboard box containers. So I little about, Three pounds of crawfish, which was much more than I got at the at the restaurant. I just got like an appetizer. So I got, now I got like, I don't know. That's a lot of, I don't know how many crawfish that is. That's a lot though. It's a big fucking thing. And I start going to work and I started, you know, and I'm in heaven because these crawfish were much better than the ones I got at the restaurant. I mean, this was like a home cooked fucking, you know, doing it the right way. Some, someone who knows the whole thing. And I start eating them and I'm going and I'm just, I'm in heaven. And the, the more I eat, the better I am at getting the things apart, getting the head cracked open, scooping out the fucking pancreas, boom, 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 boom. I'm like a fucking machine. I'm going. So it's, it, you know, it's getting to the point where, oh, and I made on the, I made the mistake also, like I said, all the crawfish is cooked with um, potato and uh, uh, potatoes and uh, corn on the cob. I don't like corn on the cob, so I didn't eat any of that. But one time I'm, stop while I'm eating some of the crawfish. And I'm like, eh, 
Let me try one of these potatoes. I bite the, it was, the, the potato was 10 times spicier than the crawfish. It was unbearable. I mean, it was just like all of the juices and, the, and the, everything gets absorbed into that potato. And it was so intense. I had to stop and run to the bodega and get some milk because it was just, I, it was, it was, it was too much. So fuck the potatoes, fuck the corn on the cob. Now I'm just fucking zoned in on these fucking crawfish and I'm going and I'm fucking eating and I'm, and I'm sweating. Oh, I had my, I, I did, I did other research on what to wear when you go to a crawfish boil. I said, don't wear, don't wear a shirt that you like, um, preferably like a loose fitting Hawaiian t-shirt. And I got one of those. So I got my, my, my Hawaiian t-shirt and my hat and plenty of extra paper towels. And I'm just, you know, they're so, they're, they're pretty spicy. The first batch, the first batch wasn't that spicy, but then after that, they made it spicier because some people, some, I mean, like I said, this is a guy from New Orleans owns, owns a bar. Like there's a lot of people like particularly, it's also a big bar for Saints fans, New Orleans Saints fans. So like people from New Orleans know this bar and know that he does like some New Orleans things throughout the year, as well as, you know, has all the Saints games. So there's a lot of people there and they all know, they, they know what they're doing. I don't know what the fuck that has to do with any of this. Oh yeah. They're the rubes standing up while they eat. Anyway. So I'm going and I'm sweating. Uh, oh yeah. Cause they, they told them make it spicier for the next batch. So they did. So that was the first batch, which was all right. Besides the spicy potato. Otherwise it was fine. And then the second batch. And I just, I just, I get in such a zone. Like I'm not, I didn't even really want to talk to anybody. I just, I just get in into this place where I am just like a crawfish, a crawfish dismemberment machine. And I am having one of the best culinary experiences of my life. I am loving this crawfish. It's all about that fucking pancreas. And um, another batch or so later. So at this point, I don't know, it's probably like four, four o'clock. I probably eaten, I don't know, eight, nine pounds of crawfish. No, that's how much they weigh with the shell and everything. I don't know. You probably 15, 20% of that is meat. So I don't know, nine, 10 pounds. And I, I don't know. I probably, ate, you know, three quarters of a pound of actual meat and pancreases, pancreae, whatever the fucking plural is for that. So I'm, oh man. And, and here's what started a couple, couple things started to happen. Like I don't drink, I was not drinking alcohol for this. I was just drinking water. Cause I don't want any other calories or any, any carbonation or anything in my stomach other than what I really need because I'm half Jewish, right? And usually that doesn't, I, I, when it, when it comes to paying for seafood, particularly shellfish, I become, a, a, I become a big Jew. <laughs> all right. I'm in there for value. And if it's something that I like, and this certainly was, I'm in there to extract market value because these fuckers, I paid $40 for all you can eat. So, you know, goddamn well, the Jew and me is going to make sure, make damn well sure that I am going to eat over $40 worth of crawfish. And goddamn did I, holy shit, did I, I did the calculation when I went home. Um, anyway, I was, I had enough, I had enough. And then there was one more batch and I kind of just did, I, it was kind of like, I'm just eating them cause they're there, but there, I was still, you know, you're eating so little at a time. It's not like you're taking big bites out of a steak. You're getting little, you know, little tiny pieces. So 
So you are digesting as you eat. And I was, um, at the end of it, I was so fucking nasty. Just, you know, obviously your hands are, are stained with the, with the spices. Your, uh, my, my right hand is covered in little nicks and scratches from, cause you got to get into these things to, to, to break the tail open. So you cut yourself a little bit. So I'm actually bleeding just a little bit, you know, little cuts, no big deal. Oh, but the sweat. Oh, just, I was just so, as, as, na as nasty as I've ever been because it, I wasn't sweating because it was hot. It, it was a warm day, but like all those spices, they just get you going. And after all that, you know, usually how like you have like a huge meal and like, you're like, oh, I want to just lie down and pass out for some reason with these crawfish, I've got like a, it's probably the spices. I'm like, I'm like fucking awake and like very fucking alert. Like you'd swear they fuck, they fucking put something in these things. Right. And, um, just so gross, but so, so happy. So after that, I go home, I go right in the shower. And I'm like, I'm just, <laughs> it's no other choice. Either that or someone hose me down or something. No, it's a shower. You got to take a shower. So I took a shower and after that, now this is over an hour by the time I go home and take a shower. Now it's been over an hour since the last crawfish I ate and my hands are burning. Not just the, the part like on my right index finger and thumb where I'm cracking the fuckers, fuckers open where they, I got little cuts, but my hands are, li they literally feel like they're on fire, uncomfortably so. And I, so like I, everything else, I, I want to make sure I'm not having some sort of medical reaction, but I looked it up online and you know, it's, it's, it's a thing. Like if you eat enough of, of, you know, crabs or, or any heavily, um, heavily seasoned shellfish, you know, it's going to get into your hands and your hands are going to burn. My hands burned for six hours, six hours. My hands were literally on fire. Well, felt like it at least. Felt like they were on fire. And then suddenly it, it, it goes away. So all things considered, I think I ate about 15 pounds of crawfish. I looked up on the internet what the market price of crawfish was just to get them to you. Forget about preparing and cooking and the, the whole thing. I ate well under market value. Like if I wanted to get that much crawfish, even buying in a larger bulk, which they did, it would have cost more to get crawfish from Louisiana to me than me going somewhere to eat prepared crawfish. So the Jew in me was standing triumphant. The glutton in me was completely satiated. And, um, well, I don't know, just the, the gourmand was so happy to find, um, well, my new favorite food. If this experience is perhaps of some uh, interest to you. I mean, obviously, I, I would think that if you live in the deep south, you probably know they probably got these places all over the place. Louisiana and Texas supply like 95% of the world's crawfish. So you probably see these places all over. But I don't know if you're if you're elsewhere, it's in it's in season now. Um, you can probably find somewhere, you know, doing these things now. I mean, this is the time. 
they're right in season. This is the time people are going to be doing these crawfish boils. Highly motherfucking recommended. The crow daddy, ba- <laughs> shit. The crow daddy, baby. Yes, I'm going down. Yeah. I'm going down, 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 down. Yeah, suck that head. Yes, I got my big feet in the window. Got my head on the Maybe maybe you just learned something and maybe you'll like it. I am into adventurous eating. Not that this is the craziest thing, but I'm into trying new things. So if you've got some kind of weird off the wall kind of food that you like that most people wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole, I'm interested. Please, any culinary adventures you think that I might be interested in or haven't tried before, tell me about it. Clickbangradio at gmail.com. I'll eat anything. Um, okay, so two quick things now that I did the better part of 40 minutes on crawfish. <laughs> Inakin and Kanger have some really sexy new products that are coming out. Um, these are probably, uh, I can, I obviously can't comment on performance. I don't think anybody has these in their hands yet. I haven't talked to anybody who does, but, uh, from an, at least from an aesthetic standpoint, the Chinese are really, really getting it. There's, um, there's a starter kit from, uh, Kanger called the, the, the I believe it's the K box. Or, or is it the sub box? Hold on, let me see. What is this thing here? They got pre-orders on these things now. So there's one called the... Hold on, I'm sorry. I thought it was, I should have had the page ready. It's loading slow. Hold on. All right. Oh, okay. So the Kanger is called the, uh, the, sub, the Subbox Mini Kit. So this thing, it looks like they're box packaging it. Though I'm sure you're going to get everything a la carte. They got a small sub-ohm tank on it. And they got these beautiful box mods that come that come with it. It's, uh, they got a, I don't know, it, it takes an 18650. They got it in black, blue, white, silver. They all look fantastic. I think they go, they shoot down to 0.3 ohms and I think these things go to 60 or 70 watts. I was looking at something else before. It looks like you're going to be able to get these, you know, with the tank, which matches and the red and black looks fucking boss. Uh, you're going to be able to get these 
probably around $60, $70 all in, you know, for the tank plus the mod, which that doesn't suck. And then Inikin's got a new thing. Would have thought I would have this pulled up. I was too busy talking about uh, fucking crawfish. Well, nobody ever said this was a show about vaping, right? Let me just go to the uh, the Kanger site real quick. Yes, I'm over 18. So where is this fucking thing? You would think they have this easy. Uh, what do they call it? Fuck, I don't even know. Cool fire? Is that what it is? Let's see. No. Ah, fuck it. I don't know. All the, all the, my point of all this, all the Chinese, the, the few Chinese companies are coming out with very small, uh, very powerful box mods that look absolutely fantastic. Obviously designed to work with uh, low-ohm uh, tank systems or, or whatever, anything. Um, Joytech even has some stuff coming out that looks, the EVIC VT looks pretty nice. Oh, here it is, the Inokin uh, Cool Fire 4. That looks fucking, they look beautiful. They look absolutely beautiful. Here, I'll put a, I'll put a picture. Here's the Inokin. And for the re people on the listening to the replays, I'll just get all of them and I'll put pictures for all of them up there. I mean, all the Chinese companies are starting to make beautiful products that are extremely powerful. This is absolutely wonderful news. Um, for so long, they were making, you know, ridic ridiculous things that look like lightsaber machine guns that didn't work, didn't really do anything and we're just stupid. I'm just glad to see the Chinese concentrating on small plus powerful uh, at a reasonable price. It is a good time to be a vapor unless, uh, well, it's probably a good, a better time to be a vapor out of America because of all the fucking ridiculous legislation going on, but that's another story. The technology is it's fucking awesome. So there was a, uh, there was a story written by a medical doctor by the name of Sally Sattel. Uh, Dr. Sattel will be a guest on ClickBang uh, in the coming weeks. I'm not exactly sure when. We may do it live. We may do a pre-taped interview, but she's agreed to do an interview with me, which is great. I really look forward to doing that. In the meantime, you've got to read this story that she did. Listen to me. I read, I've read a million, you know, going on five years now, almost five years. I am a voracious reader of news, particularly science and, and, and law regarding e-cigarettes. I read everything, all right? This is probably the best article I've ever read on the subject. I, I mean, I can't think of anything better. Um, and the fact that it was written by an MD just makes it that much you know, that much more important, that much better. Uh, and you'd think I'd have it here. Yeah. And, and what she's, she's, con she's, con she's content everything really, which is the great thing. It's so comprehensive. I mean, you got to put a few minutes in to read the whole thing. Um, but what she does so well that I really haven't seen before is that she goes over, you know, why, what is this war on e-cigarettes really all about? Where is it coming from? Why is it happening? And she nails it on the head where the, you know, our, you know, our real enemy is, is big pharma. And I, and I haven't seen it laid out so eloquently, so succinctly, uh, and so factually the whole thing. 
Um, she's obviously extremely pro e-cigarette. Like I said, it helps that she's an MD. It also helps that she's never taken any money from any e-cigarette company or, or foundation or anything like that. I'll tell you what, I am not a member of any kind of board of, you know, for, for the for the industry or for consumers or anything like that. You know, there's a million organizations out there. Most of them are really good. I'll tell you what, if I was involved with any of these organizations, I'd be going and contacting Dr. Sattel because, I mean, she is smart as a whip. I'm, I mean, I'm talking, she went, you know, her, her background is, you know, Columbia, Brown. I mean, she's smart as a whip. Not only that, because I had to look her up and see and, you know, contact her, obviously. So you go, you go to her website or even her Wikipedia page, you see a picture of her. She's 59 years old. And I'll tell you what, she looks pretty fucking good. I mean, she's pretty. She's a pretty lady. But that doesn't matter. Anyway, she wrote the best article I've ever read on e-cigarettes. It's absolutely fantastic. Worth a read. It's in the National Review, which is really, I mean, the the, the perfect place for an article is whoever's going to read the most of it, who, whoever wherever the most number of people are going to read it. But that being said, the National Review is uh, is good because it is obviously an organization or a, a paper that uh, has a lot of conservative readers, and that's good. Uh, we are we know by now that we're, I'm not, I'm not a liberal or a conservative, but the fact of the matter is we have a lot more good that can be done by attracting conservatives to our cause. It just seems... That's just the way it's shaken out, you know, which is really stupid. Well, it's not, it's, it, it's the, it is what it is. But the, the reason it's so stupid is because for all these years, we did have liberals and progressives, Democrats, supporting really good harm reduction uh, initiatives, such as, you know, for, for heroin and other intravenous drugs. It was the progressives who were supporting things like needle exchange and methadone clinics. For sexually transmitted diseases, it was the liberals and the progressives supporting things like free condom distribution and teaching about using birth control and and um, you know and stuff like that in, in schools. So it's not like liberals are averse to harm reduction. They are for harm reduction with heroin. That's clear. They are for harm reduction with AIDS and sexually transmitted diseases, you know, because obviously what, what's, what's the other approach? The harm reduction is abstinence. It's, it wasn't the liberals saying, no, no, just, you know, we have to have a, you know, the, the war on drugs and crack down on, on users. And that was, it was the Republicans saying that for 30, 40 years. And the liberals saying, no, we, we can make things safer if we give people clean needles and access to methadone. It was the, it was the Republicans saying, we should be teaching abstinence where the liberals were saying, well, it makes sense to also include in our education ways where people can be safer by using harm reduction in the form of condoms and other things, right? But on this issue, it's flip-flopped. And it is largely because of where the money comes from. I guess that's the way it was before. So whatever anyway it's in the national review it's absolutely fantastic it's worth a read uh normally i would go through the whole thing right now but given that i will be having uh dr satel on in the near future i'll just say for now read it and uh stay tuned and i'll have the good doctor on in the coming weeks i very very much look forward to that
what are we talking about next? Okay, so I have uh, actually a few things to talk about as uh, as follow-ups to, to stories I've covered in the past. Uh, I think I got like, uh, I got three. I got three stories that I covered in the past where I have follow-ups on, and they're mostly good, actually. So a few weeks ago, I covered, well, I've been covering civil asset forfeiture much more than I'd like because it continues. And I covered one case where the IRS raided this guy, small business owner, took him 13 years to save up just over $100,000, right? Did nothing wrong, nothing, no, no, no criminal charges alleged or charged, nothing. They just said since he's putting in small cash deposits every week, it's suspect. So we're just going to seize everything, not charge him with a crime. And then he has to prove in court that he was doing everything above board. Now, when you run a small business, like a like a, a convenience store in a fairly rural part of the South, there is not nothing else that you would do. You're going to take the cash you got at the end of a week and put it into a bank. There is, there's no other way that you would do it. I mean, so they, you know, he tried to fight them and they, they wouldn't drop it. They, they offered him, they said, okay, well, we'll, you know, we'll give you back 30 grand, all these ridiculous things and he fought it and it was really because of the huge outcry on social media and uh, the news and that was what really prompted the IRS to drop the suit and or, or it wasn't a suit they just dropped the just give him back his money right so the good news is that this poor guy who got $107,000 taken away the IRS gave him back $107,000 in full. They gave him back every penny. So that is a very happy ending to the story. The bad news is that in the time that it took to do that, he had to spend $19,000 to do a full audit on his business for his uh, court case, which never happened, but he still you know, had to prepare for it, obviously, to try to get his money, his money back. And then obviously he had to pay lawyers. So between that and the legal fees, he spent twenty five thousand dollars. So he got he got his hundred and seven thousand dollars back, but spent almost a quarter on a quarter of that money on just trying to get it back. So it's it's a happy it's a happy resolution to a disgusting story, but in the end, he still lost almost a quarter of his life savings. Uh, and the scary thing is that that was really the best possible result. So. There you have it. Uh, a somewhat, you know, it could have been a lot worse. He could have got back nothing. So that is a fairly good result. If you remember, uh, it was a year or two ago, there was this case. I mean, it went. It was a huge viral video on uh, on YouTube and LiveLeak of uh, these bikers. They do these, uh, you know, these, these bikers. They meet up. This is in uh, in New York, in Manhattan. So they meet up and they do these these things and they they stop traffic, right? They 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 make like a wall of bikers. Then they stop traffic from going and they sit there for a while, and that way it clears the road in front of them so they can go you know 200 miles an hour and do wheelies and, and all this other fucking nonsense. Very dangerous. Uh, I don't care if they're putting themselves in danger. I don't know these people. I don't care about them, but it's uh it's it's putting. You know, the motorists who just, you know, want to get where they're going, they're, they're in danger too because these people often are violent. And this incident did end in some extreme violence. 
where there was one guy in an SUV and he was trying to get through and, and they started to attack his car and rip, they ripped the, the side view mirror off. Um, they, they surrounded him. He got scared. So he just gunned it. He ran over one of them. Right. So then they started to chase him. They went on a high speed chase, ended up in, uh, in Harlem where he got stuck at a light. They surrounded his car, started beating the, the car with his, uh, with their helmets, broke the window, reached in, opened the door, took him out of the car with his wife and his infant daughter in the car and beat the living shit out of him, right? So what's the follow-up? Well, I'm sure there's going to be a whole lot of people getting in trouble for this. One of them will be an NYPD officer. It turns out that one of those bikers that was a part of the chase, the smashing of the window and the extracting of this man from the car, um, was a cop and he's going on trial. Sad. He's, you know, these cops, we, we pay them to protect. He was doing just the opposite and uh, caught on film. Did a story uh, a few weeks ago about the DEA had, they raided this, uh, this 420 party. I forget where it was. I think it was in Ann Arbor. I think it was in Michigan. So they raided this party and, you know, they arrested some people. Um, they took this one, this one guy and they locked him up, put him in a cell. They never charged him with anything. But then what happened was, well, the, there's some, there's some debate as to whether or not they forgot about him or they knew he was there and didn't do anything. Let's give the you know best case scenario, benefit of the doubt. The best case scenario is they took this kid, they locked him in a cell with no toilet, no sink, no running water, just a box with nothing. And they left him in there with five days, for five days, no water, no food, he had to drink his own urine to survive. Only after five days of being in there was he discovered where he was in obviously extremely critical condition. Um, thank God the hospital was able to save his life. And um, obviously the government did not want a lawsuit. I mean, who wouldn't sue after that, right? He was almost, he was almost dehydrated to death. You know, you, you, if, if that isn't torture, I don't know what it is. I don't, well, torture, I suppose, implies that it's intentional. Anyway, they almost killed him. Th th that's for certain. So the government immediately just threw a huge bucket of money on him in the hopes that this would go away. Uh, it was several million. I think it was like four or five million dollars they gave him. Uh, I think they were just hoping that he would shut up. I'm glad he didn't. He's been talking about it. It's made the news. So here's the bad uh, resolution to this story. Those DEA agents that took a man, put him in handcuffs, and threw him in a box for five days and almost killed him, you would think, you would think, let's just say you worked at McDonald's, right? And I don't know, you left a piece of chicken somewhere for five days, and it started getting moldy and nasty. They'd probably fire you for that. So what do you think should happen when a bunch of law enforcement officials throw a human being in a box for days and only find him at the point where he's about to be dead, you would think they would lose their jobs. 
where you would think that there would be some serious consequences, perhaps even legal consequences, criminal consequences for that kind of behavior. Last month, the DEA's Board of Professional Conduct issued four reprimands, reprimands, saying you did a bad thing and that's it to DEA agents involved in the incident, in the incident, another received a five day suspension. And then the supervisor got a seven day suspension without pay. Fine. So the worst anyone got for this was a seven day suspension. And then they're back with, with their old job. That is some job security. I mean, what do you have to do to get fired at the DEA? I guess you got to kill somebody. I don't know. What, 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 what would that have been if the kid died? Two weeks? A month? I don't know. I question whether or not they, they actually would have gotten fired. They almost killed this kid. Jeez Louise. Okay, so I did the North Carolina, the bikers, and the DEA. Okay. Here's a story I really like, and I've got some experience with this. Um, this is about, mostly about big cities. Big, mo most big cities, what they do for their taxes, uh, for taxes their taxi services, um, they usually issue these medallions. Now, in, in, in the really big cities, like in New York, in New York, a, a New York City taxi medallion was for decades literally the best investment you could possibly make. It was better than real estate, better than gold, better than stocks, better than anything. It always went up dramatically every year to the point where these medallions, which allow you to have one taxi on the street, uh, literally cost over a million dollars. Now, the fact that this, this this medallion, this thing that literally the government can make at any point, right? Um, it's literally like they could print money whenever they wanted, which I guess is the same thing as what the Federal Reserve does, but that's another story. So yeah, they had this thing, and it was, it was the greatest thing ever for the owners. Believe me, there's no taxi drivers who are buying these these days. It's, you know, the people that own the that own the companies and everything. So, so they, you know, the, there's one guy who like owns, I think he owns like 200 of them um, in various cities. Anyway, so you got billionaires basically who are the only people who can afford these medallions. The city's obviously making tons of money because they can charge whatever they want for them. And these people will buy them because they keep going up every year. It's the best investment you can make and the best way for a, the city just to print an arbitrary piece of paper and boom. Get a million dollars for it. How else? There's no one else who could do that. Even the Federal Reserve cannot print one piece of paper and get a million dollars. They, they got to print like a million pieces of paper, right? Or a thousand, whatever. And then what the great thing about this is that the thing that has changed this whole system is the extremely disruptive technology uh, that has come to market uh, thanks to companies like Uber and Lyft. So I actually recently tried... These, uh, if, if you're not, you're probably familiar, but there are these companies where you can basically just go onto your phone, you get, you get, you know, you get their app and you just say, I want to, I want to ride and I'm going here. And they, they come to you, you, you see right on the phone what's going on. 
You get a notification when they're there. You get to pick your driver. So they're all, all the drivers are rated and the drivers rate the customers too. So you have both the person who, so for me as a customer, I get to see how other people have rated these drivers and I can choose from them. And then for the driver, you know, if, if you're a customer who like, you know, uses this and the, the, you're drunk and you puke in the back, you know, the, the drivers have that information too. So everyone benefits. It basically costs the same thing as a New York cab. They have different pricing models. They, when it's less crowded, it's cheaper. When it's, um, when it's um, more busy, it's more expensive, which is good. It's a good thing. It, it allows for the market to, to uh, instantly respond to changing demands in the marketplace on a real-time basis, in a second-by-second -second basis, actually. So what I did, I needed, I rarely take uh, taxis anymore. Either I'm going to take the subway or a bus, because for better or for worse, the subways and buses in New York are actually pretty good, or I'll take my bike, you know, so I rarely, but I did need a, a, a I knew I was going to need a taxi because it would have been way too inconvenient to get where I wanted to go via mass transit. So I said, I'm going to try one of these. I'm going to try Uber or Lyft. And I, I and then I said to myself, well, what do I do? Which one do I try? So what I did was I went online and I tried to find like, which one of these do people like more? And I'll go with that. So I tried to find information on how people who use these services, which they like more. And surprisingly, I could find almost nothing that, you know, people who use these things said, well, I prefer Uber or I prefer Lyft or whatever. I couldn't, I could find almost nothing about that. But what I found a ton of was how the drivers, because the drivers are independent contractors. So um, they can work for whoever they want. They can work for Uber. They can work for Lyft. They can work for both. If there's some other company I don't know about, they can work for them too. Um, so there's a lot of data on what the drivers prefer. And I found it was unanimous. All of the drivers, at least in New York, which was all I was searching for, obviously, all of the drivers in New York greatly prefer working for Lyft. So I said, okay, that's good enough for me. If the people who are driving, who, you know, they're going to be more, they're happier working for the, I, I'm going to go with the, the, the employees that are happier. I mean, whatever. And I found out I didn't look on, on Uber, but the, the thing that really made it a no brainer when I went to check out Lyft, they give you $15 worth of, worth of fares, you know? So it's like a no brainer. Like I'm not going to even pay anything for this you know, for at least 15 bucks worth of rides. So I said, now it's easy. I'm not even going to pay for this ride. Absolutely. So I get the, the thing on my phone. As easy as pie. I mean, it couldn't have been easier to use because your other options are either you stand out on the corner and you hail a cab and either you're going to get lucky or not. Usually it's, it's fine. Or you got to call one of these black cars and they're expensive and they're, they're often the worst drivers in New York. Like everyone says, you got to watch out for the yellow cabs. You kind of do. It's the black cars you got to worry about. These people are fucking maniacs, and I hate taking them because they're fucking, they're, they're crazy. So I get this Lyft guy. First of all, listen, I'm not, this is neither a negative or a positive. It's just a thing that happened. And I actually knew this when I picked, when I picked the driver. I, I just clicked on him because he had a five-star rating. He was an old Jewish guy. I have not had, and, and this is, listen. It's just a thing I'm mentioning. This is not a good thing or a bad thing. This is just 
what happened. I have not taken any kind of car in New York where it's a white a white guy. I mean, it just it doesn't happen anymore. But I guess it happens if you use Uber or Lyft. I'm not being racist. It's just stating a fact. So first of all, the nice thing, you know, get in the car. It's nice and clean. Sometimes not the case. Sometimes a lot of cabs are smelly with various odors. Nice, clean car. And the guy was a conservative driver, which I loved. Because a lot of these cabbies and black, they're fucking psychopaths. So it was a wonderful experience that I didn't pay a dime for. So no wonder that these technologies, Uber and Lyft, are so disruptive. Now, for the first time, basically ever, the cities can't sell medallions anymore. They're, they're still trying to print them and sell them. But medallions that were selling for over a million dollars are now selling for less than $100,000. It has crashed the market. And to that, I just say great, because the only reason that was, that was keeping those medallions and the monopoly on, uh, on taxi service in, in these cities, it was, it was a monopoly. It was a, it was a monopoly that was completely contrived and propped up by the government. And technology has brought it down. I love it. I love it. I love it. And um, I will certainly never uh, take a yellow car or, or I'll never take I'll never take a yellow cab again. There's no reason to. Shit just kills it. And um, not only do I love having a better service, I just love it when the free market topples a government monopoly. I just love it. That's that's what I get off on. <laughs> Okay, so here I got a news story here. So there was a story that came out, I think it came out today or maybe, I think it came out today, where the first news stories were that somebody using an electronic cigarette, you know, used the e-cig and then went to the hospital and ended up in critical condition. And um, that was a lot of bad. Now, it was bad, certainly bad, because there was no indication in the early reports or certainly the conclusion that anyone reading it would, would, would come to is that, you know, somebody would use a, an electron, a regular old electronic cigarette and ended up in critical care in an emergency room. Only later did the details come out that this was, this was about a, you know, it wasn't a nicotine thing. It was a wacky synthetic cannabis thing. So if by chance you only read that first article where you didn't know what the hell was going on, here's what really went on. A new form of synthetic marijuana sending teenagers to the hospital. Mason County High School student is in critical condition after inhaling something called Darth Vapor, a substance smoked with an e-cigarette. School officials at Journey High School in Scottville called 911 yesterday afternoon after the 19-year-old had a seizure. And it's not the first problem with the drug in the area. 9 in 10's Lindsay McComel spoke with police and doctors today and has more details on the If you find your kid doing this, investigate it. A new form of synthetic marijuana sending teenagers to the hospital. Sorry about that, guys. A high school student is in critical condition after inhaling something called Darth Vapor, a substance smoked with an e-cigarette. School officials at Journey High School in Scottville called 911 yesterday afternoon after the 19-year-old had a seizure. And it's not the first problem with the drug in the area. 9 in 10's Lindsay McComel spoke with police and doctors today and has more details on the dangerous vapor. Kevin and Michelle, the sheriff tells me this is the fourth time since March that they've seen an overdose on the vapor. It's not regulated by the state, which he says makes it hard to prevent more trips to the ER.
Just because it's not regulated by state law doesn't stop you from being a parent. Your parent parental rights trump state law as far as I'm concerned. Mason County Sheriff Kim Cole wants parents to help prevent more overdoses on Darth Vapor, which put a 19-year-old in critical condition. The big thing is the parents need to know what these kids are getting into. If you see your child has an e-cigarette, look into that. Question them why, they're, why they have this. What are they putting in it? Um, because you mark my words, we're going to be doing a story on somebody dying. Doctors say smoking vapors is the most dangerous way to ingest something because the toxins have direct access to your blood. It's almost like taking an IV. I mean, you, you just absorb it it's, and it doesn't go through your liver. So you're getting the drug directly into the vein, mm -hmm. into the circulation. And because these vapors are so new and unregulated, treatment can be difficult. Most of the treatment for these type of overdoses is symptomatic. In other words, we don't have an antidote, specific antidote for these medications or drugs. A business in Ludington has agreed to take the vapor off the shelves, but teens can still manage to get their hands on it. I would tell um, young adults and children that don't trust people that sell it to you. I mean, they're not pharmacists, they're not physicians, they're gonna, they just want to sell you the drugs. All of the overdoses involve students in Mason County. The Ludington School Superintendent says they're working with staff and students to pre prevent problems in the future. Live in the newsroom, Lindsay McComel, 910 News at 6. So, thank you to uh, 9 and 10 News, whoever they are. You got the story right. That first company, M Live, or the first news organization, M Live fucked it up and now everybody thinks it's any e-cigarette that could do this but uh it was wrong uh let's see what else we got i got some uh i got some neat little public freakouts here so here's the first one this is from the floor of the senate in minnesota they had, so the, the, their legislative session was ending and apparently they just, they, they, they got like a clock or something. They got to get things done. So they had, I don't even know what the legislation was about. For all I know, this was something that I uh, maybe would support. I don't know. But what happened was they're running out of time. They got like a, it was either a 73 or a 93 page law that nobody had read. Nobody had seen. And then. They put an amendment on this law that nobody had seen. So nobody had seen the law. Nobody had seen the amendment. And they started voting on it. And then everybody freaked out. The Senate. Messages from the Senate. Message from the Senate. House file number 1077. Act relating to agriculture. I recognize Representative Hamilton. Excuse me. Representative Garofalo. Your motion moves to concur. the House concur the Senate amendments. Mr. Speaker, I move we concur. Any discussion? Hearing no discussion, all those in favor of the motion to concur signify by saying aye. Those opposed, no. The motion carries. And the, Mr. Speaker, the, can I get a copy the of the clerk, bill? The clerk will give the bill its third reading third as reading, amended by its House file number 1437 order, as amended order, by the Mr. Senate. Any further discussion? There being no further discussion, the clerk will take the roll on the bill. Mr. Speaker, 
It's 93 pages long and nobody in this body has gotten a copy of it. They just adopted an amendment of unknown page length that we have not received. We have no idea what's in this bill. Representative Hortman, I emailed it to you. About the clerk will close hour. the roll. Mr. Speaker, point of parliamentary inquiry, Mr. Speaker. $110 million, Mr. Speaker, 93 pages. I rose to a point of order. There being 75 ayes and nine nays, nine nays, three passed as amended by Senate and the title agreed to. Representative Pepin. I move that the House do now adjourn. Representative Mr. Pepin Speaker, moves that the House do now adjourn. All those in favor say aye. Those opposed, no. The motion prevails and the House stands adjourned. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Talk about a railroad. But like I said, for all I know, it's good legislation. I have no idea. But oh my goodness. Here is... Uh, here's another public freakout at Popeye's. Popeyes makes delicious chicken. You ugly son of a bitch. You ugly son of a bitch. I know you're not talking. Put your hat back on, nigga. You ain't even got a line You ain't even got a line Son, if you step to him, you're going to have to step to me. If you step to him, you're going to have to step to me. If you step to him, you're going to have to step to me. Trust me. Trust me. You step to him, you're going to have to step to me. Excuse me, y'all. You just catch the boy. You step to him, you want to step to me. You step to him, you want to step to me. Stop overlooking me. I'm the dangerous one. I'm the dangerous one. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. You want to stare at me from across the table and you sitting with a bitch? Your mother's ugly. I know you're not calling me ugly. Look how you look. Look how you look. You crackhead son of a bitch. Oh, you was about to get tag team though. You was about to get tag team though. You know not the fuck around. Come outside. Come outside. Come outside. Your bitch is quicker than some of you. It don't work. It don't work. It don't work. It don't work. Trust me. Trust me. It don't work. Don't work. You will get that head rock. Trust me. Don't work. We got cameras. Don't work. Going down. Hot fives. Fights all day. Finger looking good, baby. And then there's another one of Popeyes. They had this. They had some promotion. The, the Popeyes is a hotbed of, of, of activity. They they had a promotion where it wasn't free chicken, but it was almost free. I mean, it was like it was like a ridiculous deal. This food chain Popeyes became a victim of its own advertising today. So many customers lined up for a big special. Some locations, including one in Penfield and the city, ran out of chicken. Tonight, who the fuck are you? Who the fuck is you, bitch? Who the fuck is you to be? Who the fuck? I'm gonna fucking fire you up, bitch. I'm gonna fire you up. Shut your fucking ass up. Who the fuck is you? Who the fuck is you? Hey, 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 I've never wanted chicken that bad in my life. Hey, 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 sir, hey, hey, hey. I got him, I got him. Saca la cuchilla, si fue puta. Motherfuckers always jumping in the shit. I'm gonna break up some more shit if this bitch don't give me my fucking money. 
Oh my god, I wanna just, hug you. I'm no, he's just going bad for nothing. Hey, oh hey, hey, I'm not talking to you. I'm still running your fucking fucking. You're still running your fucking You're still running your fucking fucking. Um, yes, oh. Who are you taking your fucking shirt off for? Don't pretend to you. You're not bothering your wife? Hey! See what, what what you can't what you can't see obviously this guy, um, probably about six times goes over. You know they got those little hand sanitizers. You like pump them and they got the little Purell or whatever comes out. He uses that like about eight times. <laughs> I guess he figures I'm not gonna get free chicken. I'm gonna get some free Purell. That's the sound. You hear it? He's pumping the, the hand sanitizer. <laughs> he's, got enough, he's got enough hand sanitizer on him for like, you know, three dozen wings. Oh. Here's a woman uh, yelling at people for being, I don't know, I guess rude and loud. So she's on the phone on the train on the LIRR. Okay. We came in station. What the fuck is this? Campers on planes. This is what happens when Russ doesn't cut out the ad. Okay, here we go. Nobody does anything for me. So don't talk to me about myself. Yes, if you're trying to be my and I already deleted it. You know what? I'm not talking over this motherfucker, yo. Leave me alone. It's a crowded train. Because you got a big mouth. You don't know how to have a conversation. <laughs> Shut the fuck up and let other people talk. I can talk to whoever. I talk to everybody like that. You ain't special. All right, so what you want? All right, bye. Bye. It's just, it's amazing. People have like no self-awareness whatsoever or just don't care. I guess I could never do that. I could, I could never take a phone call on a train. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I go, you go somewhere else. You take it where there's nobody around. So people don't care.